the Sports Career Podcast, episode 195. Why is career planning important for professional footballers? Achiever and welcome back to tuning into the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers and before I talk about today's special guest I just want to let you know about a free checklist that I've created about the 15 truths to pursue a career in the sports industry. Over the last four years I've interviewed over 150 experts around the world and I've created this checklist of what it really takes to pursue a career in the sports industry. So one of the truths that I found which relates to this checklist is that the people who work in the sports industry have mastered a skill set which really gets them to their area of expertise in the sports industry. And if you want to know the other 14 truths about pursuing a career in sports, go to education2sport forward slash 15 and download this free checklist today. Now, as always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's a sports expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you are interested in pursuing a career as an agent in the football industry. I really do hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Lindy Ninguenya. Lindy is the founder of CISU Sports Management, where she specialises in athlete representation business development particularly in the football industry for that reason it's brilliant to have lindy as a special guest in the show and that's when today's episode lindy will share her sports career journey and explain to you why career planning is so important in professional football lindy it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show please could you share to listeners your sports career journey when did it all start yeah hi ed listen thanks very much for having me uh, I guess um, journey-wise, let's say, I mean, that, that kind of uh, takes us on a fairly long, convoluted path. But let's just say I think everything pretty much starts from developing a love of sport uh, when I was a kid. And I, and I guess that would be the same story for everyone, right? You know, uh, there's something when you grow up that really kind of gets to you, uh, whether it be emotionally and, um, you know, and then you kind of really kind of develop a love for sport. So for me, I remember growing up in the 80s showing my age here and um yeah i remember basically watching tottenham hotspur in the fa cup final 1981 that goal from mickey villa um from that moment on i was um for my sins a spurs fan which probably hasn't put me in uh suddenly in great stead until the last few years uh i remember just again i love boxing as well i remember like hagler versus hearn and watching some of the real epic fights of back in the days and that really developed a love for me of sport so from a very young age I felt like I wanted to be involved in sport I um I love football I love watching football I wanted to get involved in football but unfortunately at my age it was quite hard as a girl uh to play football it's really great to see now how things are developing for the better um there's still what there's still some way to go but things are much better than they were when I was growing up but you know it was very clear to me it felt like you know actually playing or being involved in sport was going to be relatively tricky um 
that sort of changed. I involved a little bit when I got to university age and I started to play rugby. I realised then that as well, I also had opportunities to play football. I realised then that I was never, ever going to be a good footballer, even if I had been able to play it from the age of five. And so I played rugby a lot. I kind of, what that did though, is that kind of really opened my eyes to the fact that there was other routes to be able to get involved in sport in terms of as a career. Um, and, you know, things from like club management in particular, obviously you've got the coaching side, you've got things like talent identification. There's lots of areas that really kind of, I became aware that you could actually be involved in sport and you could generate a career from it. Um, so that's, that's really when the seed was planted, probably at university, uh, the few years after that. Uh, but I didn't go straight into sport from university. Um, I had a career, had a short career in the military, and then I worked in the city for about 10, 12 years. Uh, a few kind of minor distractions. But the kind of basic seed of wanting to uh, be involved in sport and having a sports career was always there. And eventually, when I got around to the point where I felt that I had no other excuse to do anything else, um, I set up the agency in sort of 2013. And, you know, for me, it was very much a case of, you know, I've always wanted to be involved in sport. I think I had a lot of background from what I'd done then in terms of my work career that would um, add value um, in terms of a sports career. So it was a case of I really had to kind of take that step. Lindy, I find this really interesting. And if you don't mind, I have to go back in time because you said some stuff that I didn't even know about when we met at the Athens Women's Football Summit in Greece. And the one thing I just want to mention quickly, what did you study at university? And looking back from those studies, how has it supported you going forward, like with regards to the, what you're currently doing in the football industry? Yeah, I mean, I, as I was a geek, really, when it came to my university degree, I did uh, chemical engineering at university. Um, that's a two-part thing. So it was two years natural sciences, and then, then you specialised and did your, your BA followed by your master's in engineering, in chemical engineering. I mean, you know, an engineering degree, if you know anything about it, you know, this is quite a big kind of time commitment in terms of uh, the work you have to do. Uh, I think as an engineer, what you do get very good training in is kind of looking at problems, finding solutions from them, having quite a logical um, process to be able to um, kind of fall back on. And that certainly is very, very helpful um, in any walk of life. And certainly, you know, working in the sports industry and working in sports business, you know, having that approach and having that foundation, I think, has been really helpful for me. And just with regards to your military experience, because this is really interesting, because the one thing, my word for 2020 is discipline. And I am reading quite a lot of military books because it sort of breaks it down, like make the bed and all that stuff. But also, could you just share what learning lessons from a skill set perspective from the military supported you in the football industry, if that makes sense? Yeah, um, I guess the thing about a military kind of career is first of all you know you really do have to learn about yourself you know especially through basic training and stuff like that you know you get pushed they they want to push those buttons you know you really do learn about yourself um you get pushed to your limits and it gives you a real kind of reservoir of resilience and resourcefulness that again, I think feeds very, very well into a career in business in particular. Um, the other thing as well is 
what's kind of a little bit neglected that people don't really listen or don't really understand so well about being in the military is ultimately it is about being selfless. It is about basically working as a team and to work as a team most effectively, you've got to understand how to get the best out of everyone else around you. And it's a given that obviously you're going to pull the best out of yourself. And I think working as a team and being able to do that, being able to kind of connect with people and really understand them and find out how to get the best out of them is massively important. I think it, it can make a real difference between maybe having a not so great result uh, in terms of the clients you work with or some of the deals you try to do and having a fantastic result. So, yeah, I, you know, the, the grounding I did have in the military was invaluable, I think, to me. And again, I think it was one of the key things that I was able to bring into my career in sport. So just from an age, uh, football agent perspective, before we started this conversation, you were saying it was a bit hectic with the tran- January transfer window. Did some of those skill sets got involved automatically because everything's a bit of a juggling act during that period of time, if that makes sense? The life as an agent can at times seem like um, organised chaos. You know, you've got so many things that you're dealing with and then you always get something that comes in from left field where, I don't know, would it be a player getting injured all of a sudden, you know, some sort of family issue. So you've always got to be prepared for the unpredictable. Um, And, you know, as again, you know, when you fall back on your life experience or some of your work experience, what being in the military is, taught me and also basically playing sport as well is that you know you've got to stay nimble you've got to stay ready for everything you've got to have an open mind you've got to have an open mindset and if you're really really struggling you've also not got to be scared to kind of reach out to people who maybe know better than you have more experience than you in certain areas and draw on their knowledge to uh, help you through the situation but all the basic, you know, all the basic things, you know, people always power on like time management. I'm not belittling it. It's important. It's important to have time management. It's important to have a process. It is important to really kind of be on top of your subject matter. But when it comes down to it and sometimes you have to wing it. Yeah. But if you're winging it, just as so long as you make sure, as I said, that you're willing to draw on the people around you who might know better and accept the fact you're winging it. Be happy and winging it, you know, and just live in the moment and just roll with it. Because at the end of the day, if you're trying to do the best for your client, then most times the outcome is going to be a positive one. I think you've highlighted a really good point. Like, that's the one thing I learned from you with regards to this uh, Athens Women's Football Summit. We're on that sort of panel session with player representation. And we had so many different opinions, if you remember. And it was so hard to sort of put a concrete process because of different countries, different, like, you've got the legal side of, like, player representation, then you've got the financial side. And with your case, with regards to today's podcast topic, which I found really interesting about women's football, with which you mentioned about a dual career. And the one thing I want to talk about with today's podcast topic is, like, how important is player, like, planning with their career journey from the male or female game? Because I think... This is really important from an educational standpoint, which people don't realise, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think the people who are smart enough do realise how important it is. But like lots of things in life and in football and any other sport, uh, they tend to sometimes get lost in the moment. So people always talk about career planning uh, in sport. And what you're talking about, career planning, you can you can actually look at it. And you mentioned it actually at Athens Football, football Summit. You stood it up um, on the pitch and off the pitch. So, you know, career planning on the pitch, you know, clearly we can think of many examples of players maybe 
who've made the wrong move career-wise. You know, maybe they took the money too early rather than going to a club with less money that was a better development opportunity. You know, that's an example of, you know, making sure that you get the career planning right on the pitch. And, um, you know, that's something that everyone, everyone relates to. The other area where maybe is overlooked, even though a lot of people still say they do look at it, is the sort of career planning aspects off the pitch. And I'm very much a believer, and as I mentioned in Athens at the time, it's something that has to start, not just, you know, when the athlete is coming to the end of their career and it's like, oh, no, what do we do now? You know, it, it is something that really has to be part of the process while the athlete is actually engaged in their career. If you think about it, like, say, let's we'll take football because that's the example we're looking at. You know, you're going to have even the top, top class footballer, the length of their career, say they get into the first team at the age of 18, and they have a good, lengthy, good football career. You're talking 15, absolute max 20 years. And what's the average life expectancy these days? Is it 80? I think it's about 80. It was 70 when I was growing up. 83. Yeah, yeah I think it's at 83. Yeah, okay. About yeah, so let's keep it a nice round number. So you, your life expectancy is 80, right? 20 of those years, absolute maximum, it's more or less for most players, you're going to be playing football. So what the hell are you going to do with the rest of that time? And that, when you kind of put it in that sort of context, I think then you know, the idea of career planning starts to really kind of crystallize a little bit more in people's minds. So ultimately, you know, it, it is about kind of helping to round out the um, the player's um, personality, really pull out their interests, their likes, and really try to develop those so that as they're going through their career, A, they can also continue to build on those interests. And so when they actually finish their playing career, the, trans- the transition is something that's going to be, it's never going to be seamless because playing is a very singular thing. But, you know, that transition is going to be a lot smoother or they're going to have a lot of particular pathways and opportunities that they already are clear in their mind that they want to pursue once their playing career is over. So that's what I mean about the importance of career planning and how it's something that has to run almost in tandem with a player's career, as in their playing career. So just from an agent perspective, because it's such a popular like area that people want to pursue a career in, yeah. is it like people, like as an agent, like if I was an agent and you were the footballer, is it like providing guidance in finding interests and then that interest turning into a hobby and a hobby that could turn into something more permanent? Is that the sort of pathway that works or is it more um, looking at it from an educational standpoint like further education if they do courses does does that sort of make sense we're in a world now that there's no like right or wrong here so i was just intrigued for from an agent perspective to support a footballer in this case is that the sort of mindset to have as an agent instead of looking at the like the money side of it of all the all the time just if that makes sense from a career development standpoint yeah i mean i think like the thing to emphasize as well is that you know if you're doing your job well as an agent, you, you know, you are largely guided by the athlete in terms of the, the kind of directions that you really sort of go off at and look to exploit. But the other thing as well that, again, I think is incumbent on you as the manager, particularly like you say, in a lot of cases, you've got maybe a lot more life experience. You may be aware of more things that are out there is to maybe make the athlete aware of opportunities or put them into situations where they can see things that maybe they weren't even aware of and get more opportunities. 
So to give you a little bit of an example, um, you know, we're, we're holding an event next month, just an example, and it's, it's effectively a collaboration with a venture capital firm. And, you know, the, it's, the panel discussion per se is going to be really, really interesting. It's, it's um, a really important topic at the moment to do with mental health and well-being and sport. But as well as that, after the panel discussion, there's like a networking uh, kind of aspect to it with drinks and nibbles afterwards. And for me, that's an example where you get your clients um, involved and able to network amongst a group of people that they're not normally going to be able to network with. So broaden their networks, maybe open their eyes to opportunities that they weren't even aware of. Or if you have the case of clients, some clients are very aware of what they want to go into. So I've got some clients who really are quite interested in getting into, say, the broadcast media side of life, yeah? And in that case, then you, you know, you'll sit down with them and you'll really kind of try to sort of work through a pathway how they can develop that aspect, you know, get that work up and running, even if it, if it involves academic qualifications. Yep, that's, that's also included in it. Um, but that's normally, that's the process, yeah. So I guess if you're trying to make it like a clear process as like, a, a, you know, like an engineer, we like to lay down a, a workflow, yeah, you basically find out more about your athlete, you understand about the athlete, it's a two-way conversation. From that, you kind of get an idea of um, values, interests, likes. From that, you then kind of derive out of there maybe areas of opportunity, areas of further development, and then beyond that, you look at practical applications of it, whether it be um, educational courses, um, internships, anything like that. So there we go. I've laid out my engineering kind of uh, workflow for you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And just going back to your career now, out of interest, from a career perspective, working in the football industry, what skill sets have supported you, especially in the, the football industry itself as an agent? Yeah, I mean, I guess... Again, I'm sort of mindful that I don't want to be trotting out fairly meaningless kind of platitudes in terms of what skill sets you need. So let me try and say things that actually mean something. Like when I say you need to be resilient, what I mean by that is that you need to basically accept the fact that most of the time people will not necessarily value what you do. And a lot of times they may not value or um, hold the same value that you do to the players that you present to them, right? So there's a lot of work around connecting with people, but also being willing to accept rejection, but also being able to understand people's requirements, so club requirements, etc., and being persuasive. So you got to be resilient. You got to take that. You know, you got to take that stuff on the chin. Um, but you need to be persuasive. You need to know what you have. Uh, I'm not going to say work hard because working hard's a given, right? And I think as well, you just need to stay well informed. You know, and what I mean by that is, you know, you need to kind of read what's out there and talk to other people who maybe be doing things not directly in your sort of sphere of influence, but may be things that might be interesting and down the road especially like the way the sports industry is evolving so much, you know, with, you know, with the rise of sort of digital media, you've got a situation now where I think more than ever, like the athlete is like a brand, right? And if you really understand all the different aspects of that, and you can really plug into that, you know, in the old days, it, you know, it was top, top players, 
and they're the ones who got all the endorsement deals and everyone else was pretty much, you'd be lucky if you got a boot deal, you're done, right? Now, you, you've seen lots of examples, you know, whether it be bloggers, influencers, etc., who've really understood about how to tap in to the growth of social media, digital media, and they've built their brand. And off the back of that brand, they've been, to, they've been able to leverage, um, you know, a lot um, commercially and other opportunities. So as an agent, you have to be on top of that. You have to understand what developments are happening. You have to reach out and kind of connect with those people so that you can bring that to your clients so you're giving them the best value. You're absolutely spot on. And with regards to leveraging your personal brand, it's exactly the same for us as well, working in the industry. I know we're not like Cristiano Ronaldo with 2 million followers, but it's the same applies, if that makes sense as well. So listeners, take that on board. Now, just going back to your career now, I'd love you to talk about your agency. What gave you that sort of sort of courage to set it all up, if that makes sense? What inspired you to do it? Yeah, I mean, I think for my career, in terms of setting up the agency, first of all, I guess when I, as I mentioned to you before, like pretty much after university, I kind of knew I wanted to be involved in sport. So the question really was, how was I going to be involved in sport? But then when I took the path where it was kind of a very corporate path, you know, with the military and then working in the city, I got to the point where actually I knew that I didn't really want to continue down that corporate world. So it really became a point of actually I wanted to set up an agency, a business where my own values could be directly reflected in the business rather than working for a company and working to their values and what they, you know, what their kind of priorities were. So that's really what drove me in the first instance towards setting up an agency rather than maybe going into a, an existing agency or another established um, type franchise. And out of interest, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey looking back now? Um, again, I think it's really, really simple. At the end of the day, you get the most enjoyment, I think, when you really, really do well by a player or a client. Yeah, that, that is it. There's, there's nothing that beats actually really sorting your client out. They're super happy. They're doing cartwheels. You're happy. And, you know, it's, you know, we're all happy, right? Yeah, I'll give you an example. Like, I remember one, like one of my clients, Louise Quinn, at the moment. So I actually signed Louise when she was playing in Sweden. And um, one of the big reasons why she decided she'd had a really good career up till then. Um, you know, she was already an established international for Ireland. One of the reasons she decided that she needed an agent is because she wanted to play in England and she didn't really have the sort of connections to be able to kind of facilitate that for her. So I signed Louise and, you know, I basically got her a move, her dream move in inverted commas to Notts County ladies. And, you know, she was cock a hoop and I was, you know, I was quite pleased with myself. But literally a week before the season started, um, Notts County went into liquidation. So fundamentally... You know, and she'd had a really, really good gig in Sweden. You know, she could have stayed in Sweden and, you know, she had a fantastic career there. And, you know, I felt partly responsible, you know, rightly or wrongly, for putting her into a club that wasn't financially stable. And effectively, the player was not in a great situation. And, yeah, and I was in the ship, really, to be honest. So, you know, from that point, though, after a bit of frantic ringing around and from a bit of the conversations that I had whilst I was trying to get Louise the original move anyway to England I found out that Arsenal had a bit of an interest in her and when all this blew up in Notts County um, thankfully 
Pedro Lozo, who was a manager at the time, decided that he was going to take a chance and he, he brought Louise over into Arsenal. And actually, if you think about that in hindsight, fundamentally, she moved from Sweden to Arsenal. That was like a mega move. And she's, you know, she's like kicked on from there. She was delighted from it. And it's been a great club for her. And something like that gives me great satisfaction because it kind of factors in the whole highs and the lows and the highs again of um, kind of a sports agency career. So that's probably kind of quite a nice story. That's an amazing story. And just while I'm in the moment, that relates to two points you mentioned earlier, being resilient. And also, I'm not a big fan of this phrase, but this is a perfect example when you have to wing it in those those situations which you can't control. And honestly, Lindy, thank you so much for sharing that example and story. And I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What three tips would you give to people who want to pursue a career in the football industry? Yeah, okay. For the football industry, I would say that, you know, you, you really do need to believe in yourself. It, it, it's true. You know, it is a, it's, a, it's an industry. It's about opinions and there'll be plenty of people who don't believe in you. So if you don't believe in yourself, you haven't got a hope. Um, but don't be delusional about it. Yeah, there's there's people there who really think like they're the next uh, Pep Guardiola or Brendan Rodgers and they haven't even got like their level two um, coaching license. Um, second thing is you really just keep learning, learn from other people. There's so, there's such a wealth of experience out there in the football industry. Learn from those people, meet those people, read stuff, just continue to have like an open, uh, learning mind. And the third thing is, I think to always approach things from the mindset of how you can add value and how you can help people rather than the, you know, the slightly more kind of what you can get out of it. I think if you always approach it from that sort of former mindset, then in the long run, in the long run, I think you're going to benefit and also everyone you work with, especially your clients, will benefit from it. That is fantastic. I really do hope the listeners take those three points on board. How can people interact with you on social media? Yeah, sure. So on social, I on the B2B side, I, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to uh, converse there. If you want to DM me, go for it. Likewise, Instagram, we have a lot of stuff on Instagram, a lot of content that we post there, a lot of pictures. Again, DM me. And Twitter is our kind of, I would say it's like the company newsreel. Um, we just sort of have, you know, we kind of throw a few kind of stories out there. I like to retweet things again, sort of going back to reading around the industry and other developments. I like to retweet things um, as well on Twitter. And then lastly, you can obviously visit our website, which is ccsportsmanagement.com. That is great to all the listeners listening in. All those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Lindy, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Ed. What a fascinating podcast chat with Lindy, and I really do hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. For me, there's so many learning lessons with regards to this podcast chat. Number one, which I've taken the most from this podcast, is having a better understanding of being resilient in the sports industry or football industry, but particularly with regards to being an agent. Being a football agent is one of the most popular roles, and it takes time to establish that sort of know, like, and trust. After interviewing a range of agents on the show, it all comes down to building those relationships, strong relationships with build trust, and being resilient and coping with rejection, which Lindy mentioned, is part of the process. But the biggest learning lesson I've taken from it, and I'm going to smile because I'm not a big fan of this phrase of winging it, but 
Lindy has provided a great example that sometimes, and I've gone through this myself with certain projects, when you are out of control of a situation, meaning that's sort of uncontrollable, let's go back to the example she mentioned of her player she was representing who's going to Notts County. When they were liquidating as a club, that's an uncontrollable, but Lindy had to take control of the situation and find a solution. And that's what inspired me the most when listening to Lindy in that example, that she managed to really be perseverant, be resourceful, and at the end of figuring it out or winging it, she managed to get her player to go to Arsenal, which was a lot better deal, if that makes, a lot better opportunity for that client. So I just want you to learn that sometimes this happens in the sports industry. It's very hard to explain this really in a textbook. It learn You learn this through case studies like this and I hope if you want to be an agent you learn from that example and re-listen to it and take notes of what Lindy had to do because sometimes that's how the industry works Um, it's very hard to explain it on a podcast episode sometimes but when I heard this example I'm seriously grateful that Lindy managed to share that with you and myself because it gives you a better understanding behind the scenes what happens in the football industry from an agent perspective so look i really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast really apply lindy's career tips here are a few working hard is a given we all got to work hard but two be thick-skinned with regards to coping rejection and the final one i i took the most was again being resilient in regards to your career journey by believing in yourself so look really apply those career tips today make it happen and keep hustling now as always at the end of each podcast episode i like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker lindy said be resilient which means accept the fact that during your career you've got to cope with rejection but you need to have the ability to recover from those difficult conditions quickly and effectively with confidence. And most importantly, believe in what you do.